Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, we're going to do church a little different today as we love to do here at Life. And I've asked some guests to come who are all worshippers. And I've observed over many years have the wonder of worship. And Pat Mossy, great to have you joining with us. Great to be here, Pastor Paul. And uh, how's everything at home? Family are good? Uh, awesome. Wife's here. She's beautiful. My kids are at home. Hi, kids, if you're watching as well. Have you bought your wife flowers lately? Uh, <laughs> Missy Stern. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to throw that out. It's like when you've got the bike, you've it's got coming, the authority, haven't you? Anyway, <laughs> well, I think flowers are coming uh, just and they're coming pretty quickly. And Mar- Melissa, I almost said Marie, <laughs> Melissa de Jong. What a, what a cool last name. What a cool last name. <laughs> How did you get that name? I picked well. <laughs> <laughs> well, great to have you here with us. And then, of course, Summer Ingshu. Yes, And, uh, you know, you've you got a busy life uh, at home. How many children? Three kids. Three kids. Three kids. One's and almost been... a teenager. Everyone's yeah. a toddler. Yeah, <laughs> so it's busy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you've been a part of life, of the family of life, for how long? For many, many years, uh, really. Since I was nine years old. So if you're good at maths, you might be able to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> and to think that next year, life's going to be 30 years old. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Just for those that aren't that good at maths, so I was going to throw that out there. That's how old. <laughs> but we're talking about, you know, the wonder of worship. And worship for me is far different than just the voicing of a song. It's about something that happens in the heart of who we are. There's a great verse in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, and it's speaking to God, and it's this thought that Isaiah brings. You will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. It's kind of like there has to be a refocusing of our humanity above the things of this world. And at that point, when we begin to focus on who God is, we begin to trust Him. And that trust is a release. I I believe with all of my heart that you and I were all created for worship. And when we understand that we were created for worship and we begin to worship, something happens on the inside of us. In fact, I believe that worship helps us find home. We're in a world that is asking the question, who am I? And Where do I belong? Uh, Worship is an exchange moment. Literally, when you begin to worship, what the enemy has been chaining us up with begins to break. And I do think that worship reflects our faith depth. In other words, if we're not worshiping, it's kind of like, well, maybe faith on the inside of us. We may have a belief, but our level of current faith is not as deep as what we think it should be. And it was C.S. Lewis, incredible writer, profound relationship with God that said this, it, it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to men. It's in the moment of worship where we unlock the presence of God and my understanding that there is an enemy, Satan's his name, and the enemy seeks to redirect our worship. Because he realized that the moment we begin to worship the way we were created, the power of heaven is unlocked and perspective begins to change. We're going to look at that. And so he redirects our worship. And I often think that how he does that is he gets us. We don't think it's worship, 
but we put first self. And as we begin to worship self, then we become kind of allured to begin to worship Him. Rather than worship the God that created us. You see the story in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus, He'd been fasting for 40 days as He's preparing for His earthly ministry. He's in the wilderness and the devil comes to Him. And the devil begins to tempt Him. In fact, he tempts Him with bread. Obviously, he was hungry and he said, Jesus, you could turn the stones into bread. You know, Jesus says, no man does not live by bread alone. In other words, man doesn't worship the things of this world. That's not where life comes from. He takes him up and to this high mountain. He says, you can jump off the mountain. The angels would come and rescue you. And Jesus says, no, I don't need to do that. He, he was talking about the place of authority. And then finally, Jesus take, uh, the enemy takes Jesus to a, a high mountain where he can see all the kingdoms of the earth. And listen to what the devil says to them. He says, all these things I will give to you. Here it is. If you fall down and worship me. In other words, bread, authority, and worship is what the enemy wants. And God wants us to understand that we worship what we set as a priority. See, when God is our priority, even in the middle of a storm, when we give our attention to worshiping Him, then that's where we begin to see a shift in who we are. Jesus again and again just reminded the enemy of the fact of that. In fact, verse 10, He says, Away with you, Satan, because it is written that man shall worship the Lord your God and Him only will you serve. That's a big challenge. Maybe today you feel surrounded by the things of this world and fear has gripped your heart because that's what the enemy uses. I want to encourage you today that if you were to shift and worship God for who He is, then fear would begin to shift. There's an incredible thought as I was preparing today for today. I wrote this down. We think worship is about God. But I think worship is more about who we are. We all are called to worship. It's, it's created in our DNA. For all of us, we're going to keep asking the question, what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping self? Circumstance, because fear is now center. And you might go, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, think about this thought that God is himself complete. He doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need worship. He longs for worship. He doesn't need it. But we do because when worship kicks in, things begin to change in and through who we are. When we worship, we begin to change. And again, this thought of worship is more than songs. It has a wonder. It has a heavenly component. That's why the psalmist would cry out. Psalm 40 verse 3, he put, God put a new song in my mouth, a hymn and a praise to our God. Many will see this and worship Him. In other words, as I worship, it releases the bondage of other people. For you, Melissa, worship. What have you seen worship to be for you? Um, I think worship to me is when I pour out my love to a God who does deserve it. And there's this beautiful exchange where He pours out His love to someone who doesn't, regardless of who I am. I can just come as I am and His love will always pour out on me. 
doesn't seem to matter. You know, your family and mum has always been a worshiper. She plays the keyboard. In fact, she plays the piano. First person to ever play the keys of life. And worship has been a part of your makeup. How, how would you view worship? Uh, yeah, I guess um, for me, I've grown up in an environment where I know that God is good. And uh, that doesn't mean that my life has always been easy. But I think for me, worship is coming back to going, what do I believe? And actually taking my eyes off my circumstances and looking at Jesus going, actually, he's got it. He's in control and he deserves my worship, whether I feel like it, whether I can see what's what the answer I want to see. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what I what I feel. He is worthy of my worship. So cool. And Pat, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning because a couple of thoughts I've got about worship to help define it and redefine it. The first would be this, is that worship positions honor in our lives. Uh, when, when I am riddled with fear and I'm bowing down to fear, we don't think about it like this, but we're actually honoring fear. When self is the thing that we're living for, we're actually honoring self. But when we begin to worship God, we honor God in our lives. And there's something about that honor that shifts because worship is a position of self-surrender. It's not a feeling. It brings a feeling. Yeah. It's literally a decision in our heart. It's an outward expression of an internal dimension of God that we're carrying. And I do love the Psalm, Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship. Here it is, and bow down. Yeah. You know, we're kind of, I think, in the danger today of being in a Christian environment, even globally, where we're Christians because of what we get. Rather than we realize this is about the honor of God. And God is God. God, Jesus is my mate, but He's Lord. And that thought is like, wow. You know, you read through Revelation. I know it's, it's a deep book, but you read through. And the angels, they bow down and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I want to encourage you today because the enemy is looking for you to bow down a circumstance, bow down a fear, bow down to the loss, the, the pain of the present. But there's a God that's got you. Yeah. And God is saying to all of us, would you position and honour Him? Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. You might go, well, I, I don't feel like worshipping. There will be a day where every knee shall bow. Yeah. He is our God and we are the people of His pasture the sheep of his hand. That word worship in the original is to lie prostrate. Wow. When was the last time we found ourselves laying face down and going, God, you are so huge. I choose to worship you. You know, I, I'm going to talk like a bit of a popper in the faith. I've been in church my whole life. I'm amazed over the years. People that I would regard as mature Christians, how they can even come to church and be in worship. And I realize it's just part of worship is the songs that we sing, but never open their mouth. Some never lift a hand. You might go, well, I, I don't feel comfortable lifting a hand. I'm not telling you you have to do anything. I'm just saying worship is laying down prostrate yeah. and honoring God. It's kind of like if royalty came to your home, would you just stand there quietly and never say hi and 
communicate. If, if you want to honour somebody in your world that came to visit and you didn't know that well, would you literally go the extra mile? Or is God sort of just one of those add-ons? Like I, I got my career and I've, I've got my needs and I need God to fix this and fix that, but He's actually Jehovah God. That's why when Jesus said to the disciples, when you pray, begin with this, our Father, Abba Father, which art in heaven, not my mate, hallowed be thy name. And as you realize who God is, as you begin, Satan doesn't want you or I to honor Father, because when that happens, something shifts on who we are. The woman with the alabaster jar of oil, man. She was so thankful for what Jesus had done and she so saw who He was. She took her expensive perfume and she broke it over His feet. All of those that were used to church, it's like, what a waste. It was a year's wages that she honoured Him with. And I just want to encourage everyone today to honour. I mean, Pat, has there been times in your life where again, you don't feel like honouring? Because you're a worshiper, you sing, but you decided to honor God. Talk to us about it. Yeah, Pastor Paul, um, I absolutely believe that honor is like the platform where we get to worship. Last year, went through a bit of an incident, uh, had a stroke last year. Um, it's kind of painful, and I was like, oh, what about my wife's cooking? Uh, Lord, I still want to be around. Plus, I've got to buy her flowers as well. <laughs> But through it all, through it all, I realized in worship, even when I was going, ah, my eyes became hallelujah. The pain of uh, the stroke became, God, you were sovereign through it all. And it was was a season, but I know that God is sovereign. And that's all I need to know and placed in my heart. And that everything that he's done in me, I was able to express that outwardly. And I was like, thank you, Lord. I still get to eat my wife's cooking. She's going to get her flowers, but it's because of you that I'm here. So I thank you, Lord. Jack Hayford pastored an incredible church in the U.S. And every time I heard him speak, there was something about him that wasn't just a gift. He just had this genuine love for God. He was a worshiper. He was a musician. He was very creative, built an incredible church, as I said. This is what he wrote. He said, worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshiped. See, when we fail to come before God and say, God, you're God. And I've had people say, well, it's just not my personality. And I go, well, this is not about personality. This is about who God is. I would take what Jack Hayford said and I would say it works in every every part of life, you begin to worship self, then again, that's who you become, more about self. It's kind of like you want to be cool and you worship cool rather than laying down and saying, God, you deserve my praise right now. Then you fail to begin to turn the tide into God's supernatural power being released. We're going to look at that. Worship has always been a position of surrender and sacrifice. Worship literally positions honor. And I believe that God is longing for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves on the journey, no matter what is happening 
for us or against us as we begin to worship we're honoring and saying God you got this 1 Chronicles 16 29 again the Bible says give to the Lord the glory that is due to his name bring an offering and that's what it feels like at times there's a cost come before him oh worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness and when you begin to see the holiness of God there's something about your situations that come into perspective. And I think for me, that's the second part of worship is not only does it position honor, but worship realigns perspective. When you truly begin to worship and see God for who He is, the bottom-up view becomes a top-down view. Because in our humanity, all of us go through unexpected things. All of us have things possibly right now that are going on that we can't control, but as you worship, you begin to go, well, God, you're bigger than this. And however this works out, you've got me and you've got the future. And I know all things work together for good. And yet the enemy uses a strategy of fear. But as you worship, fear turns into faith. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about a top-down expression and fear. In fact, I've discovered that fear dominates when there's an absence of light, when there's an absence of worship then that darkness begins to take center stage. And whatever you focus on, it becomes your perspective. And at times we get disorientated. Sometimes we lose our eternal perspective. But as we worship, it's kind of like, wow, I lost sight of that somehow. I lost sight of what that really means to me. For you, Melissa, I mean, have there been times, and I know there have, but just your experience of, finding yourself not being able to see past where you are or feeling like what you expected didn't come to place. And then the difference that came when you worshiped, just personally. Definitely. This year has been, I'm sure I'm not the only one, that I found myself in an unexpected situation of borders being closed. And as you can sound by my accent, I'm not from here. Um, I was born in Canada and we had plans to go home. Um, where I was born and just spend time with family and I was really looking forward to that time and that was kind of um, taken and ripped away from me I kind of felt like just as the world turned upside down and I just found myself multiple times just who knew where the kids were <laughs> they were somewhere locked down but I found myself in my kitchen doing the dishes whatever it was and I would just put worship music on and I really found that I was really holding tight to um, control um, especially my where I came from and that whole side of my life I was really controlling that and God just met me at the kitchen sink and he just as I put worship music on I just felt like the grasp of my hand just loosen and God just say like it's time to give it over and I just felt like as I worship I just my hand just reached out to him and he took my fear and my frustration and my burdens and then he didn't just take what, what I gave him, but he brought me in closer than I'd ever felt before. And he just enveloped me in his love. And I just felt like with that, I was, my perspective changed that. He's the God who holds the universe. He breathed the heavens into existence. He knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb and he has plans for me. And my perspective that God is big, he's massive, and he still comes right beside me 
in a tender voice and just says, you're home, come home. And he brings me in close and he finds me just where I'm at. And my perspective again is always changed. It's an amazing thing that, uh, you know, I think sometimes in church world, it's kind of like, we feel like we need to be perfect. If you're part of our community, you'll know that uh, you've got pastors that don't try to be perfect. We're all on this journey. And the realigning of perspective is a daily need. Because uh, all of us have things that happen. There are maybe struggles for some of us that right now I have a sense that there are many that are watching go, I've got the struggle and I, I need a supernatural yeah. breakthrough. Well, you'll never get the breakthrough from a bottom-up view. Yeah. You only get that from a top-down view which is that God is the God that meets us in weakness to bring strength. God is the God that takes brokenness and restores it. He doesn't just go, wow, bang, there it is. It's, it's a restorative process. So whether it's just a natural thing or it's a huge thing, I mean, I've battled with having skin that's melanomic. So I've had some major surgeries. I'm still currently having some surgeries with a skin type that goes, you know what, the prognosis, prognosis is not that good. But when you worship, you begin to say, well, God's got it. Yeah. God's got the big picture. Even if things didn't work out the way I expected them, God's still got it. And you get a top-down perspective and it's not like you, you don't feel the things, but you're in this place where shift happens. And I love that. I, I love the story of Abraham. Abraham was an incredible guy. Didn't have a miracle just about his whole life, believing for a son that was promised, never came. Finally, Isaac comes. He's a teenager, love of his life. And God says, I want you to lay him down. It's like, well, what was the point of getting the miracle? He leaves first thing in the morning, Genesis 22. And he takes some guys that are with the donkeys and the supplies needed for the journey. But he gets towards the place that God had appointed and he says, you guys stay here. And I love what he said. He says, the lad and I, Genesis 22, 5, Isaac and I will go up yonder and worship and we will come back to you it's like this thing has not got charged because worship positions honour worship realigns perspective and that is so powerful and like you said Melissa it's like whether it's just practical things of not being able to get home or it's major things of maybe a terminal prognosis top down God is still in control Paul writes in Romans Chapter 12, 1 and 2 in the Message Bible. I love this translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. What that means is you've got to make a decision about this. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Yeah. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Yeah. It's a shift of perspective. He is the one that wants to take us on a journey. Yeah. Alone, it's just too hard. Father, we thank You for Jesus. And we thank You as we worship You. We're reminded that 
Our shepherd gets us and he's got us. And we thank you for the power of your presence. Worship is a profound tool. It's a moment, it's a, it's a time in God where things shift. It positions his honor, it relies, realigns our perspective, but it also activates warfare. And I want to talk to Summer because I think sometimes we don't realize we can activate an army. We can call in the troops of heaven. We can bring the wind of eternity into play in our circumstances, but often we get discouraged because we're not seeing what we wanted to see. It's just not happening. Again, serving God and walking with God your whole life, as you said, it's not always easy. Talk to us about times where it's like it felt pretty dark and you needed heavenly intervention. You needed God to step up. Yeah, definitely. I, um, growing up in a Christian home, my parents got married quite young. My brother then got married quite young and I just assumed I would follow suit. <laughs> Get married at 19 and, you know, the rest would be history. But uh, my journey to meeting my amazing husband uh, took a lot longer than I thought. Um, it was amazing in the end, <laughs> looking back, because uh, God is always good and He's always uh, in control, but uh, it took longer than I thought. With it came two incredible children that I um, am honored to be their mum, uh, Joel and Dorinda. But um, post that came a five-year journey of going, God, I know you've actually said that we'll have our own children. Um, I had multiple words of, you know, God's got a child for you. Um, but actually, in the natural, it wasn't happening. <laughs> I can remember multiple times on my own, but also standing on stage trying to lead a congregation of people in worship and going, God, I'm singing in faith, I'm speaking in faith, but I don't see it, <laughs> and it's really hard. Um, but I think that's where worship is powerful, when you actually, it's a declaration of faith, and you're actually going, God, even though I don't see it, I know that your name is above every other name. So everything under the name of Jesus has got to bow. And so, um, yeah, we now have an amazing son. He's nearly 18 months old, and he too is a worshiper, and <laughs> it's amazing. I do think, I think as we worship, the, the, the change that once bound us and held us back now become a weapon in our hands because of God. And uh, lets the enemy know that he has no ability to stop the power of heaven. It was Miriam who worshipped when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. She took a tambourine and she just worshipped God in the middle of uncertainty. She worshipped because she knew she could bring in the hand of heaven. Yeah. It was Jericho when the walls still stood after six days. They knew that the moment God said worship and shout, yeah. there was a breakthrough of heaven. Jesus in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. When all else had left him, brought the enablement of eternity for him to go right through to the cross and rise again. And I just want to encourage everybody today and I'm going to ask Summer again just to sing because there is a moment where God says, I've got you. And as you worship, not only do you honour, not only does perspective align to God's perspective, but you come to this place where you awaken the authority of who God is. It's not just I'm going to pray. No, I'm going to sing worship. I'm going to be a sacrifice of worship. Because we all need to realise that we are convinced God can meet us and take us through. 
It's an amazing thing when you and I begin to discover there's a God who's for us. Paul thought he knew what was right in life, had religion, but never discovered Jesus personally. And the moment he discovered Jesus personally, it was like a light filled him and shifted everything about him. He was the one that wrote 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. And he says, recognize that though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we do life like everyone else. Our warfare is not according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. As we come to a close today, I'd love to pray the most powerful prayer for every person. Maybe you say, well, Paul, I've never personally invited Jesus to be in my life. Did you know that you were never created to do this life alone? You can have good morals, you can have good work ethic, but until you find the wonder of the presence of God on the inside of you, it's just too hard. There's an enemy that's against you. But everything that you're fighting to see change, God says, I've got the answer for that if you let me in. Maybe you feel like, well, I've walked with God, but I'm not walking with God today. Good news is God is waiting at the point you got off track. He's not here to manipulate. He's inviting you to pray a prayer that says, God, would you forgive me? And I want to get back on course. I want to come home and I want to pray today for you. And as you pray this prayer, I'm going to pray it on your behalf. Just join with me with your heart and say, God, would you meet me today? I need a breakthrough. I need your presence to shift my perspective, to put you as Lord over my life and then cause me to be positioned to bring the wonder of heaven into all that I do. Come on, let's pray together. Father, today we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross with one purpose, and that was to bring forgiveness for humanity's sin. And today I need you, and I pray that you would forgive my sin, that you would today become my Lord and Savior, the center of my life. That, God, I would know what it is to be clean and right before you, not because I'm good enough, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. I choose to turn away from my past and to walk forward into all that you have. And I declare that you are my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out church online wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.